As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. The 49ers are 3-3, three and three, and they're still in the tough stretch of this season. In fact, they're going to play the Patriots on the road this week. may not be as tough of a game as initially anticipated, but it's still going to be a challenge. Bill Belichick is still coaching over there, so we'll be talking about that today. We'll be talking about... Yet more 49ers injuries, and we'll be discussing whether or not we think they can repeat last week's excellent performance against the Los Angeles Rams. Also, we'll be answering some of your questions at the end of the show, so be sure to stay tuned until then. Anyway, on to New England for the 49ers. This is the part of the season that will determine so much, including, I think, you know, more long-term machinations of this team because the trade deadline is on November 3rd. There are two games before the trade deadline. 49ers at Patriots this Sunday, 49ers at Seahawks the Sunday after that. If somehow, someway, the 49ers win both of these next two games, Matt, I think that they might consider buying at the trade deadline. The reason why they're going to hold that decision off as long as possible, in my opinion, is because they have no money right now. In fact, they opened Wednesday with $31,000 in cap space, by far the least in the NFL. They have since opened some space up. They even made a minor trade for a pass rusher on Wednesday, which we'll talk about. But uh, the bottom line is that they're short on cash, and this team is not going into buy mode unless they win now. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, last year, they, they traded for Emmanuel Sanders, but they were 6-0 and at the time. They're 3-3 three and three now, and you're right. They're sort of just on the edge there. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see where they are right on the eve of that trade deadline. Because if they do win these next two games, then you could make the argument that, boy, gee, just like last year, they're really only, you know, one or, or two players away from making their mark. And, and the position that I, I would point to is defensive end. I know they just traded for a guy... Uh, Jordan Willis, but if they could bulk up that defensive line even more, maybe at a center, that sort of thing, it may be worth it. And you know, they also could create some cash, some cap space by trading some of their own guys as well. So if they're deep at one spot, I mean, we've been talking about Dante Pettis being inactive, just kind of uh, sitting there. 
for the last couple of weeks, uh, that may be an avenue to free up not a lot of cash, as you pointed out, David, in your story, but at least some cash for the rest of the season. So it'll be interesting. We may be putting the cart before the horse because these two upcoming games, both on the road, the first game is a long, long trip to New England. The second one is has been a house of horrors for this team, although there might not be any fans in the stands, so maybe Seattle won't be quite as bad, but... Uh, that's what's facing this team, Dennis, uh, these next few weeks. David, did you say they have about 31,000? Yeah, they, they opened the day with only 31,000, and what they did is they restructured Lake and Tomlinson's deal to create $1.3 million on top of that, but then they made this trade for Jordan Willis, and that's going to eat up almost 600000 So they're back down under a million again. Just FYI, I mean, I, I'm willing to play for just under a million if they want to bulk up their defensive line. They may need so we'll it. just put. Dennis, we'll will you wear all white there. uniforms though? That's the big sticking point. Yeah, that's that's an issue for me. But uh, if we can wear the white <laughs> pants and the, and the red uh, jerseys, that'd be great. I don't know about the all white, but yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think these next two weeks are going to de- determine, you know, if the 49ers are in it. If John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan still feel that you know we have an opportunity for a playoff berth or you know competing for another championship, you go out and you try to figure out. What you have in your building and, and, you know, we always talk about Dante Pettis and see if there's any money on the table to bring in someone. I think you, you still have to kind of address your your perimeter rush. And also, even though last week that secondary looked pretty good, you still have to kind of address that if you want to bring somebody in. But I think it's it's going to be these two tough football games. And going across the country, and you know, you're not you're not playing the early game, but you're still getting on an airplane, even though you're flying first class, and you're you know you're a police escort to the airport, straight to the airplane, but still you're sitting on an airplane for whatever five, six and a half hours, uh, and then you're getting to another city. There's no fans in the stands. I don't know. New, New England might have a few fans in the stand, but still you're. You got to battle uh, probably one of the best coaches in the National Football League, and Bill Belichick, and you have to understand that he's he's looking at film and he knows what your weaknesses are, and he's going to try to exploit them. But as far as the trade deadline goes, I'm I'm sure you're going to see what happens these next two weeks in these games and see moving forward if you kind of go out and you kind of find somebody. Well, let's talk about the move that the 49ers made on Wednesday. They pick up a fourth year pass rusher. His name is Jordan Willis from the Jets. Now. Jordan Willis hasn't done much in three-plus seasons in the NFL, only three sacks in that time frame, but he has impressive numbers athletically. His spark score, which is the speed, power, agility, reaction time, and quickness out of the combine in 2017 was second to only Miles Garrett's out of the defensive lineman. The guy runs a 4-5-40. He has a, like a 6-8-5-3 cone time, which would be good for any position, not just defensive line. I mean, just pure athleticism here that the 49ers obviously feel that there's at least potential to make something of. And the Jets running their 3-4, um, you know, might not have been the best fit for a guy like Jordan Willis. And the 49ers feel that him coming off the edge in the 4-3 might be just what they need. You know, they don't need too much. They just need somebody who can deliver some quality snaps on third down so that Eric Armstead can move inside. Because when that happens, I think it really unlocks the whole pass rush. So we'll see what happens there. But the interesting thing to me is that the 49ers made a Patriots-style move during Patriots week. If you look at this Jordan Willis trade, it involves a swap of draft picks 
where the Jets are sending their seventh-round draft pick this season to the 49ers, and the 49ers are sending a sixth-round draft pick from 2022 back to the Jets. So what does that do? It means that the 49ers have accumulated a near-term draft pick for the 2021 draft, and guess what? The Jets are 0-6, so it's probably going to be the first pick in the seventh round of this draft. Which, you know, given the way that Kyle Shanahan has been talking about this upcoming draft, he says, we definitely want to make sure we have a lot of picks in this draft. They only had four last year after all those trades. That satisfies one of the goals. So they pick up a player with upside to help this year, and they also pick up a draft pick for this year. And to me, if they're willing to pay the 500000 or whatever it is for Jordan Willis, that's a win-win. Yeah, a Jets seventh-rounder is essentially a sixth-rounder for any other team because they're so bad, and the 49ers saw that earlier this year. Yeah, I agree with you. He is interesting. The team that drafted him, the Cincinnati Bengals, wanted him to, to gain weight and to be more of a kind of a traditional 4-3 end and be a run stuffer. He went to the Jets. The Jets, as you noted, play a 3-4, so really wasn't a great fit there either. This system where you're kind of screaming off that wide nine, you got a great angle to the quarterback, and you can just use that pure athleticism seems ideal for him. Now, he, he hasn't lived up to his, his draft status or anything to this point, so this is all pure projection. He sounds a little bit like Deion Jordan, who who really hasn't delivered very much to this point for the 49ers either. But on paper, it, it seems to work. And you're right. Getting somebody on third down, this is the D4 role that we're talking about. So getting somebody to to be in that D Ford role allows Eric Armstead to go inside. Everything falls into place when that happens. I thought that Armstead had another really strong game against the Rams. He just doesn't have any help. There's nobody else on that line who's really kind of delivering, especially on uh, on passing downs. Kerry Hyder is doing his best, but that to me has been the biggest issue for this team. And I thought it was apparent in the Rams game is that defensive line just lacks talent. It's got some good guys in the middle, but on the edges, boy, I just don't know if it can go the distance. And when it can't, it's putting pressure on the back end of things, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, more bodies, the better. It'll be interesting to see how Jordan Willis does in this defense. Yeah, and, you know, I heard all your stats you were saying, Dave, and, you know, on paper, just like Deion Jordan, he looks good on paper. We'll see what he can do on the football field. Hasn't quite lived up to it, but you're right about that they don't need much. You just need someone on that edge that's that's going to contain the quarterback and then kind of make him kind of want to climb the pocket, kind of work in the middle there. So your Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlaw – can get some hits on them. But you don't need a big sack guy. You just need someone who can consistently, first of all, keep your contain uh, and then get quarterbacks off their mark. You don't need a guy that's going to get, you know, four sacks a game. You need a guy that's going to get about 10 quarterback rushes a game or 10 quarterback harass a game. So he's not the biggest guy in the world, but, you know, we all know the pass rushers are basically outside linebackers rushing on offensive tackles. So if you got the quickness, you got the hand placement, uh, and you can dip that shoulder and bend that corner. But, you know, this week, especially with Cam Newton, you're going to have to have someone who can contain him. And if he's a guy that can come in and, and give some consistent outside pressure, some perimeter pressure throughout the football game, I think he fits in right right away. But again, we go back to D. Ford. I mean, where does he fit? I mean, is will we see D. Ford anymore this season? Uh, Nick Bosa is not coming back. So, 
You know, you got to find something out there if D Ford's not coming back till later in the season that's going to get you through, especially these next two football games. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Bad news on D Ford. You know, that he's one of those guys that we already expected to be a really long time, but Kyle Shanahan officially said it that he doesn't expect him back until after the bye at the soonest, and the 49ers buys in week 11. That was piled on top of Richard Sherman news. That was initially supposed to only be three or four weeks. Well, now Shanahan doesn't expect Richard Sherman back until around the bye, too. So the bye comes at the end of the five-game gauntlet. So the 49ers are going to have to play his five-game gauntlet without D. Ford or Richard Sherman. And injuries are piling up elsewhere, too. I mean, now you're dealing with Trent Williams and an ankle sprain. Not a high ankle sprain, so there may still be a chance that he plays this weekend. But you're also dealing with Jaquaski Tart and a groin strain. I mean, that's just adding on to whatever else there is. I wrote an article the other day with the injury table in it again. Um, it took up the whole page again. But I think I wrote that the 49ers may be down 10 frontline players against the Patriots. And I can't use the word starter because Kwan Williams is not technically a starter, but basically 10 starters down against the Patriots. Now, the good news is that the Patriots aren't quite as good as they were last year. The defense had several players, including Dante Hightower, the linebacker, opt out. So it's now not the number one or number two defense that was in a race with the 49ers last year. It's now like a number 16 or number 17 defense. It's really a middling defense. And then on the offensive end, the pass game hasn't been good at all for the Patriots. They've been able to run the ball, especially with Cam Newton, as Dennis said. But they haven't passed the ball efficiently. In fact, their biggest game was against Seattle, which is a good sign for the 49ers that Seattle just can't cover the pass. But outside of that, New England lost to Denver last week. So, I mean, normally you're looking at the Patriots and you're saying, oh boy, you know, this is going to be a really, really hard game to win. I'm not denying that this is going to be a challenge for the 49ers, but out of this five-game stretch... On paper, the Patriots are their worst opponent. Yeah, if I'm the 49ers, I would rather the uh, Patriots have uh, won their previous game. Uh, it seems like losses uh, tend to sharpen a team's focus, and I'm sure Bill Belichick is doing exactly that this week. But you're right. I mean, it just seems like a, a very average team this year, with the big exception being Cam Newton on the ground. It, through the air, he's thrown uh, two touchdowns against four interceptions. That's terrible. But on the ground, he's got... Leads the team in rushing, averages five yards a carry, and he scored five touchdowns with his legs. So that's been a bane for the 49ers defense this year. He's by far, well, after Kyler Murray, he's by far the best runner that they've faced. So that's got to be an area, even Jared Goff uh, squeaked out a, a first down against them the other day, where the middle of that defense just sort of disappears sometimes. And uh, quarterbacks look up, and they've got a lot of green grass ahead of them. And if Cam Newton sees that, he's going to make them pay. That's how I see a scenario where the Patriots win. I see it as being a a case where Cam Newton picks up key first downs late in the game, late on, on third downs, things like that. And that's what the 49ers have to guard against, and they haven't done a very good job of of that at all against lesser quality quarterbacks to this point. Dennis, when you see the 49ers defense 
against some of these quarterbacks. Are you seeing the same thing I am, that with a lot of upfield rush and it just kind of opens these avenues for these uh, these QBs in the middle of the field. Just with running that wide nine, everything's kind of spread out. And we talk about Bill Belichick and the way he coaches. He'll look at that, even the, the uh, Giants tape, he'll look at the Philadelphia tape and he'll look at the Miami tape and he'll see, now he's got a quarterback that's, way much better athlete than any of those quarterbacks and I think you'll see a lot of screens you see a lot of designed quarterback runs and you'll see a lot of that read option stuff you know that's what the 49ers have issues with and Deion Jordan's one of those guys that I didn't see it last week but in the Miami game it was it was the same thing for some reason you know his read is not right on that read option and quarterback pulls and you know runs for a touchdown so cam newton's not gonna, not gonna try to beat you with his arm he's gonna try to beat you play wise scheme wise and with his legs and i think you hit it on the head if you can't kind of figure out that defense and what happens in the middle especially those third and longs third and tens you know those are the pass rush downs but if everyone's upfield and these lanes are wide open cam newton's gonna take it and, you know, we know the athlete, and he doesn't mind taking a hit. He's not like some of these quarterbacks. He's not really trying to slide. So I'm sure they're working on this in practice, but it hasn't shown on the field yet. But it's going to be super important this week that, especially the front four, be very disciplined in your rush lanes and not have these big, huge gaps. And that's why I say it's going to be super important to keep Cam contained, make him climb the pocket, and put some hits on him because he'll throw an interception. He'll throw you a pick six a game if you put some hits on and put some pressure on them. So it's going to be super important. I think it's a great point. And, and if the 49ers cover as well as they did last week against the Rams, they might be able to get a turnover. Jason Verrett had a huge pick last week. Uh, that was some excellent 49ers cornerback play. Now they're going to have to deliver that DB play maybe without Jaquaski Tart this week. So there's a question about who comes in to play safety. Do they slide Tarvarius Moreover? Uh, do they call Jonathan Cyprian up from the practice squad? That obviously would cost money. Practice squad players don't make a whole lot of money. And then Jonathan Cyprian being a veteran, well, the league minimum is all of a sudden 910000 I think, for for him. So it wouldn't take that much cap room because it'd be a prorated amount of whatever is left in the season. But this is stuff that the 49ers have to consider because on Wednesday morning, they were down to $30,000 in space. So uh, there's going to be a lot of permutations here with the injuries. We'll see what they do on defense. We'll see how they play the pass rush. But I think at the end of the day, the main storyline is going to be Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers offense coming back to New England. Obviously, throughout his first three-plus seasons in the league, Jimmy Garoppolo was a patriot. He was the heir apparent to Tom Brady. Bill Belichick loves the guy. You can tell by the way that Bill Belichick talks about Garoppolo. He's not terse like he is about other players. He, he's a fan of Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle. I mean, those two guys, you know, have a huge fan in Bill Belichick and should be an emotional reunion for Jimmy Garoppolo because, again, that's where he was behind Tom Brady and that's where he ultimately, I think, uh, planned to, to be a starting quarterback. But what happened is that the Patriots came back from 28-3 to against the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl that closed that 2016 season. And that bought Tom Brady more time with ownership in New England. And that meant that the salary cap became a reality for the Patriots, and they couldn't keep both Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo. And obviously, you're going to keep the guy that's coming off the big Super Bowl comeback win. 
That meant that Jimmy Garoppolo went to the 49ers, and there's a whole backstory there because Kyle Shanahan, after that Super Bowl loss, he was obviously the coordinator of the Falcons, met with Bill Belichick, and Bill Belichick mentored him. Well, that might have you know buttered up the potential trade, and that's why Bill Belichick called the 49ers later that year and traded Jimmy Garoppolo to them for a second-round pick. So these two franchises are intertwined by their coaches and by their quarterbacks. At least the quarterback on the 49ers side and Jimmy Garoppolo. And Matt, this is his chance for a big return to New England against the team that drafted him. But this time, uh, he wants to make that team miserable. Yeah, and uh, I can tell you, Patriots fans are going to be watching this game very closely. A lot of them were dismayed when Garoppolo left. I think there was a bit of Tom Brady fatigue uh, in that town, uh, especially this last year. Certainly not the, the Super Bowl year. But um, people saw Jimmy Garoppolo's success here in 2019 and were wondering, well, why didn't we keep this guy? Isn't that the whole point is to groom a quarterback and to have that guy take over? So it's going to be fun. Um, It's going to be really interesting. I think we should keep in mind that Jimmy Garoppolo's ankle still isn't back fully. And that's going to affect him. And it was a brilliant game plan by Kyle Shanahan against the Rams. But... He's not going to be able to, to do the same thing against the Patriots. Bill Belichick is just too smart. He's going to be ready for that. So it's this chess match, uh, David, that you're always talking about. What is Kyle Shanahan's next move going to be? And does he have all the pieces? I mean, can he move Jimmy Garoppolo around uh, like he could last year? I think he's still going to be restricted in some way. It's going to be interesting because it was a very emotional win over the Rams. And Garoppolo is going to be emotional for this game as well and uh, the question is can he kind of lift all of his teammates up to his level for this game in New England and I think the answer is he can because they really really like him George Kittle loves him Mike McGlinchey loves him all the guys in the offensive line when he had that run the other night we talked about it wasn't a first down didn't you know it wasn't a, a a huge play but it was the type of thing that really kind of uh, builds admiration among your teammates and I think they're going to want to win this game for Jimmy Garoppolo. So I keep saying this, but it's a fun scenario, and it'll be very interesting to see how it plays out on Sunday. My only reference to NFL is is the 49ers, so I never went back and played another team. But I can remember a lot of the guys that, that came to the 49ers from other teams. That was always their best week of practice uh, and games when they went back and played their old team. I think there's just something about it. You're back where you kind of started or where you spent some part of your professional career at, and it's, and it's just always kind of, it's kind of cool and, and it and kind of motivates you. Like you said, Matt, Jimmy Garoppolo has his team on his shoulder now, and you know they want to follow him. That first down that he got last week and put the team in the field goal range, and he got up smiling, people got up fired up, and I need him to be more vocal. I need him to be more like a Tom Brady when he's, you know, yelling at his offensive lineman on the sideline, just kind of motivating. You know, this is this is serious, that sense of urgency. And and I hope he plays like that. I hope Kyle Shanahan has a good game plan, uh, a lot of short passes, a lot of smoke screens. Last week, I mean, his confidence, you know, after the first quarter, he was feeling really good. It looked like he was really in rhythm, feeling comfortable. But, you know, again, you know, we said it, it's, it's going to be one or loss um, in the trenches. And this offensive line has another task. They have to keep him upright, keep him in a comfortable pocket, you know, let him be successful. And like you said, the, the ankle's not 100 percent. 
And uh, Bill Belichick, even though he's a fan, I'm sure he knows a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo's weaknesses. He knows what, you know, what defenses may confuse him a little bit. And, you know, Gilmore's a, you know, a a defensive MVP, and I'm sure he's going to do a great job of disguising coverages. So it's going to be a challenge for him, but it's always fun, so I hear, to go back and play your old team. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, let's talk about the Patriots' strengths and weaknesses on the defensive end and how they match up with the 49ers. If you remember last season, the Patriots were a really good defense. They were an elite defense along with the 49ers, the two best in the league. But both teams approached it from a different angle. The 49ers really approached it by spending a ton on pass rushers and and just going from it going for it from that angle. While the Patriots, they're from the coverage school of thought. And they were elite in coverage, even though you didn't know the names of too many of their pass rushers. In fact, they let their top edge defender, Kyle Van Noy, leave this year. He went to Miami, and the 49ers already faced him. So it's two defenses constructed in two different ways. And even after some of that opt-out attrition, the Patriots are still really good in coverage. They, they still grade really well in coverage. So I think, Dennis, you're exactly right. They're, they're going to be out there. They're going to be confusing Jimmy Garoppolo or doing their best to try to confuse Jimmy Garoppolo. And it, it may be a situation where this is a you know deja vu moment kind of for him because he's faced Belichick defenses in practice and maybe some of those principles, some of those memories, some of that muscle memory will come in handy for him in trying to beat New England this time around. But since New England is a coverage-oriented defense, the pass rush isn't great. So let's put that out there right now. I think this matches up well for the 49ers offensive line coming off their best week in a while to try to continue that success. And a side note, New England's not great against the run. They're very mediocre against the run. And the 49ers are going to try to run the ball as effectively as they did last week. Now they're going to have to do it without Raheem Mostert. But still, Matt, seems like the matchup might be in the 49ers' favor. Yeah, I mean, and that's the way the 49ers are going to go for sure. Uh, and the question is, um, you know, which uh, Jarek McKinnon are we going to get on Sunday? Because he's probably going to start this game. And um, he looked good to start the season. But something happened uh, in, in week I think it was four. Yeah, it was week four. And he hasn't been himself the last two. And we all saw that. The difference between Jarek McKinnon and Jermichael Hasty the other night was, was pretty stark with Shanahan saying that uh, Hasty brought in some fresh legs. Well, McKinnon's legs were anything but fresh because he had played, I think the number was 67 snaps against the Eagles in week four. And that's a lot. I mean, uh, that's the most for any uh, 49ers running back this season. I should have gone back and looked uh, at previous years. I didn't have enough time. But I guarantee you that's that's just about as, as many snaps as a running back ever gets in this system. And you can tell that um, he didn't really have that same pop uh, in these last two games. So it, it'll be interesting to see how the 49ers are handling McKinnon in practice this week. They're keeping him off his feet as much as possible because he's going to have to be the guy while Raheem Mostert is recovering from this uh, high ankle sprain. And maybe with a quarterback, you can send in a player with a high ankle sprain that's not fully recovered. But 
boy, with with a running back, I got to think that that thing has to be fully healed before Raheem Mostert comes back because, you know, the amount of torque you're putting on it, et cetera, et cetera, he would just not be himself if he's still dealing dealing with it. So to me, that sounds like yet another guy who won't get back into the lineup until after the bye. So we're talking about late November now, and it's one guy after another who's in that category. So managing Jarek McKinnon, I think, is going to be key for this team uh, this next month and a half. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I was really impressed with Jamichael when he came in in the fourth quarter. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's truly a one-cut guy downfield. And he didn't seem like he mind running in, in between the tackles. He had some really good runs there in the fourth quarter. Uh, and he showed me a lot. Once he gets into the hole, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's taken on tacklers uh he's dropping his shoulder he's playing low whatever you know the tag team is but if they can put together you know a a run game like they did in the fourth quarter i think it could carry him through i mean you set everything up through your run game but i think if you get a guy like that out there he runs like he's trying to get a football like he's trying to get a job in the the national football league i mean he's running like that he's he's got the fresh legs yeah but he is hitting those holes fast and he's got great vision I remember one play, he cut it all the way back on the other side of the tackle. I know everyone's kind of been talking about him in camp, you know, not being drafted and coming from Baylor. But I really like him. I like what I saw in him. And I think that's what the 49ers are going to need this week, especially against that that tough coverage of the Patriots. Well, let's answer a few of our mailbag Twitter questions, rapid fire style. And the first one is very relevant along the lines of that from Dennis O'Connell. Who gets more rushing attempts on Sunday, McKinnon or Hasty? I would say McKinnon. Because he's just a big muscle, and I think he's more of your Tevin Coleman type to soften up the defense. And I think Jamichael Hasty, being 5'8", being the undrafted rookie, I don't think that Kyle Shanahan wants to put too much strain on him. Now, remember, there's going to be a, a third running back, too, in Jeff Wilson. So I think he's going to get some carries as well. But my prediction is that Hasty gets those outside zone carries. Hasty does make a big contribution. But I still think that the 49ers run a more inside zone-oriented game through Jarek McKinnon. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I think McKinnon starts this game, but uh, the, the 49ers ad- adhere to the hot hand theory when it comes to running backs. And whoever looks best uh, is going gonna, is gonna to be the, uh, the bell cow in that game. And um, it was clear that, that Hasty looked best on Sunday, so... I think it'll be uh, a case where McKinnon gets the start. They'll they'll look at all three guys in the first half and and make a uh, a decision at halftime who should be the guy in the second half. And like I said, I think a lot of it will depend on how fresh McKinnon is after not getting quite as many carries these last two games as he did the two previous ones. Yeah, I agree. Jarek McKinnon brings more to the table. Uh, I didn't see Hasty catch any passes out the backfield. I think that um, that's something that's super important to. Uh, Kyle Shanahan and his offense. I'm still waiting for that breakout game. I haven't seen the breakout game from McKinnon, so I'm, I'm waiting for that. Jeff Wilson, you know, he's money in red zone. He's, he's such yeah. a big, strong back. I think you'll see, you know, him getting some snaps in the red zone. And then Hasty, he gets another chance, another opportunity to show what he can do on the field. I can see him getting some some carries like he did last week uh, later in the football game. Here's a good one to, f- to finish up the questions. With no, This is from Cameron on Twitter, by the way. With no fans, is this a good year to sneak into the playoffs and make a long run? Home field would seem to matter less than ever. If the Niners can somehow get in and get healthy, a long run may be a real possibility. I hadn't even thought about that, but I, I agree. I mean, you talk about 
uh, crowd noise and how that can affect an offense and how it gets worse in the playoffs and you mix in crowd noise with the weather and then you know it, you get rain or snow gets even uh, worse beyond that I think that there may be a lot more neutrality in the playoffs this year so eight and eight nine and seven 49ers team that sneaks in as the final seed I think you would have to say that the odds would be better for them especially if they are healthy or healthier by then to progress through the playoffs what do you think Matt yeah it, it might depend on which states are allowing uh you know fans into the stadiums I mean if, if they have to play in Tampa you're probably playing in front of uh, fans. Uh, if you're playing in Seattle, maybe not. I mean, it, it may be uh, part, partly political at that point. Uh, the, uh, the no fans in the stands is not going to affect the weather in any of those places, and I, I feel like the 49ers have a nice advantage uh, e- even over some home teams. Let's say Green Bay hosts the playoff game. Uh, the 49ers have a much better ground attack than the Packers do, uh, and uh, I would I would say that the 49ers might have an advantage in that scenario, especially if there's uh, no fans or only a percentage of fans in uh, in Wisconsin at that point. Dennis, what, what do you think about no fans in the playoffs? Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I mean, if it's if it's a home game, certainly it hasn't been an advantage for the 49ers playing at home. Uh, being on the road, I mean, I, I don't. I guess it's hard for me to understand the fan part because I didn't. I, I played on defense, and I didn't really. The fans never really had an effect when I was on the football field. But I could see a team uh, like a uh, Arizona Cardinals that you know do a lot of audibling on the line of scrimmage and being no fan noise. And we saw when they came to uh, Levi's that they were kind of able just to kind of bark out whatever calls on the offensive side with no crowd issue. So. I don't, I don't know about the crowd noise. I don't think the crowd noise makes much of a difference. I think we get used to hearing crowd noise. Uh, I think as far as players go on the field, the crowd noise is is just kind of kind of background noise. I don't think it really affects the game very much. Just my opinion, though. Well, my opinion on this game is this coming game, as I pivot to, to the final part of this, is that the 49ers are going to win this week. I, I don't think that the Patriots' defense is is that challenging for the, for the 49ers. I think that... Uh, the weaknesses of the 49ers caused by injuries actually match up really well with where the Patriots are deficient defensively. And on the other side of the ball, the Patriots have not been barn burners on the offensive end. So 31-24, 49ers beat the Patriots, and then we really start talking about the challenge of the 49ers going into Seattle. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I don't like the fact that Cam Newton runs the ball so well. I think this is going to be a close game, nip-and-tuck game. Uh, and that Cam Newton has the ball at the end and then somehow pulls rabbits out of his hat and comes up with first downs and uh, maybe even a score. So uh, I'm going with the Patriots in this one, in a, in a close one, I'll say 24-21. I don't know if the 49ers can duplicate uh, what they did last week as far as their coverage goes, but I do think this is a team you can run against. This is a different Patriots team. I think this is the first year uh, the Patriots aren't, going to run through their division beating all the team. I think they're actually, you know, in, you know, kind of lowering the standings in, in their own divisions. I think this game is going to be close. I think the 49ers pull it out uh, late in the game. I'm going to say 27-21 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo's revenge, although Jimmy Garoppolo on the day that he was traded, I think it was 
his birthday the next day, and he said it was the best birthday present he could ever ask for. So I think he enjoyed his time there, but he really wanted to be a starting quarterback in the National Football League, and he saw the writing on the wall when Tom Brady came back and beat Shanahan in that Super Bowl. He wasn't going to be the starter anytime soon, not not if Robert Kraft had his way, and the owner always has his way in the NFL. So uh, <laughs> that's what happened there. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens this week. Uh, for Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. Talk to you guys after the game on Sunday on the Here's the Catch 49ers podcast.